0: Welcome to the monthly SkillBytes show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of SkillBytes and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. SkillBytes' author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Sue Allen Clayton. Sue has been a self-employed one-person business owner for more than 25 years. After a long career as a freelance writer, Sue founded the Solopreneur Academy for Women in 2018. She is the author of Solopreneur Success, How to Plan, Create, and Run a One-Person Business, as well as several other books. She lives on Long Island, New York, with her husband, solopreneur daughter, and three rescue dogs. Sue, I'm so delighted to have you on the Skill Bike Show. Thank you. I am really happy to be
1: here. I love talking about solopreneurship.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, I understand that um, with your book that you've come out, you delve into seven points about how to thrive as a one-person business owner. So I'd love to have you go over those seven points.
1: Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. I I think a lot of times when we start a business, we focus on kind of the minutiae, like should I be an LLC or should I be a sole proprietorship or you know, should I use MailChimp or Constant Contact? And what I'm going to talk about today is just stepping back a little bit And setting up a business in a way that you know you're going to be successful. So I have seven essentials I think for thriving in a one-person business. And feel free to interrupt me if you have questions or comments about any of them. Very good. So the first thing is to consider your personality. I think that the closest, the closer you can set up a business to your natural personality, the more successful you will be. So if you're somebody like me who is an introvert, don't plan to build your business by going to networking breakfasts every day because you're gonna be exhausted. On the other hand, if you're someone who's an extrovert and you just love being around people, don't plan to sit in your house Seven days a week with only your dog for company. Because both of those models work, but they don't work if it doesn't match your personality. And I I really noticed, especially during the pandemic, that my introvert friends did really well and my extrovert friends went nuts, right? Because they just wanted to be with other people. So I think Mm -hmm. if you can set it up in a way that works for your personality, and that includes things like What is your tolerance for background noise? What is your tolerance for disorganization? Are you somebody who loves to work in a coffee shop because you just love that, you find that to be a high energy experience? For me, that makes me crazy. I like things to be quiet. So none of those are right or wrong, but if you can just match your
0: personality, you'll be a lot more successful. Are there other things that, for instance, an introvert can do that you can recommend besides networking? I think a lot of
1: introverts do well with email marketing or with things that are pre-recorded. So um, for me, I love to write and I love to create videos to a certain extent. It's easier for me to do that when I have control of things. And it's easier to write because then I'm not, I have time to kind of do the introvert thing and sort of sit back and think about it and read it over. So email marketing works incredibly well for introverts. LinkedIn works very well for introverts. Mm -hmm. And then um, for extroverts, cold calling works great going to seminars works great. And, It's not that you can't do that as an introvert. You just have to realize that you have to kind of pace yourself.
0: Okay, excellent. Let's go on to
1: point two. So the second point is to create realistic goals and create goals based on what your life is really like and not what you wish your life was like. So for me, um, well, for one thing, I, so I was in a car accident about 10 years ago and badly injured my neck. I can only spend about three hours at a time on the computer, and then I'm in major pain. So while I would love to be someone who works from 7 in the morning till 7 p.m. without a break, that does not work for me. So that's something I know about myself, right, that my, my neck hurts, and I have to kind of set up a business based on what my life is really like. I think we start a business and we realize and we carry forward the employment model where maybe you were working at AT&T between nine and five. And you think you have to do that as a solopreneur, but you really don't. If And what I recommend you do is look at your life and what can you realistically do? So if you're kids are only in preschool for 20 hours a week and you're driving your mom to chemo and you've got other things going on, you may not be able to work nine to five. You may be someone who works after the kids go to bed at night. You may not be able to put in 40 hours a week. You may only be able to put in 20. And that is fine. You can run a business in 20 hours a week but just don't tell yourself that you can spend 60 hours working when you really can't. Um, Yeah, so basically figure out what you can realistically do and then set up your business in that way. So other than the hours,
0: what other ways do you need to craft your business around your life?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with your tolerance, like I mentioned early for organization and how you work best. So for example, if you can only work for 20 hours a week, you probably need, and, and you're really limited by say kids, um, your kids schedule, you need to set up a calendar program in a way that people just can't jump in and set up an appointment that same day. You need to give yourself a little bit of breathing room in case something happens. The same with, um, if you're doing networking or speaking, you need to just, you can't go to networking every day or you can't speak maybe at dinner meetings. You're gonna have to do it during the day. So that's the kind of thing that you really need to think about as you're setting up your business. Okay. And then the third thing is to play to your strengths. So one of the great things about running a solo business is that you can really do what works for you. I have a friend who has been really struggling with her business because she doesn't want to be a coach, but she wants to coach people. (laughs) And it was kind of like, it took her a long time to figure out, okay, how could she do this in a way that she didn't really want to have coaching interaction with people. And she realized that she could set up Zoom calls and have people submit questions ahead of time. And then she could just answer the questions without doing it live. Or she could do it live, but she didn't have to really interact with people and coach them. So that's something where she was able to play to her strengths and answer things and she's a subject matter expert but she didn't have to do the in-person interaction that she really wasn't good at. Another thing that I think is really helpful is to look at what you like doing. So I've been a writer for, a professional writer for more than 20 years. I like to write, I'm good at writing, writing is easy for me. On the other hand, I am a terrible photographer, terrible photographer. So when I set up my stuff, I tend to go with email and writing and newsletters as opposed to Instagram images or videos. Now I'm getting better at videos, I am using more videos, but again, I'm becoming more comfortable with it. So if you're somebody that hates to be on video, don't set up your business where you're doing all your marketing on YouTube because you're going to be miserable. If you like to write, then use um, use email marketing to at least as a starting point where you get more comfortable.
0: That works well, unless your audience is one that tends to be on YouTube, Right. For instance, but uh, so you sort of have to know where your audience hangs out and speak. And be- gain that comfort that you can go on to that channel.
1: And I don't disagree with that. I'm at a point now where a lot of my audience is on Instagram. And I have not been using Instagram because of, as I mentioned, my photography skills. And there are definitely ways to get around it. But I I completely agree with you. And, and I guess just stepping back, if you are one of those people that really almost has a phobia being on camera and your audience is all on YouTube, that might be a point where you step back and go, okay, do I have the right audience or do I need to get some training to be better on video?
0: Right, yep, good point.
1: The next thing is to be ready to learn. And as we just talked about learning Instagram, learning to be on video, most of us, when we start our business, are really good at the technician aspect. So, I was really good at being a writer. People are good at being a hairdresser, good at being a plumber, whatever your skill set happens to be. And running a business is so much more than that. You know, you're you're working with your website, you're doing social media, you've got to um, you've invoicing people, you've got website security, you're on Zoom calls. There's just so much that you have to learn. And I really recommend, there's a great book by, by Marie Forleo called Everything is Figure Outable. And I love her premise that you go into things with the mindset that you can figure it out. So be ready to learn, be ready to figure things out. But I also recommend that you don't try and pre-learn things. So for example, if I start my business and I think, all right, I'm going to send out a newsletter, get my newsletter to a point where I'm ready to send it or almost send it, and then figure out whether you're going to use MailChimp or Constant Contact. Don't start with learning MailChimp and then six months later, when you go to figure out, go to send your newsletter, you either decide you don't want to send a newsletter or you've already learned MailChimp and they've changed it in six months and you're going to have to relearn it again. So the idea of being willing to learn and then to implement that just-in-time learning where you're learning things just before you need them will save you a lot of time and hassle. Another point is managing your time. And as solopreneurs, we do not have a boss telling us when or where to work. If we want to sit and watch Netflix all day or scroll through Facebook, there's nobody keeping us from doing that. So you need to figure out ways to manage your time and to, I guess, build in accountability to yourself. And one of the ways that I think we can do that, well, there's a couple of things that I've learned. One is to have regular hours. So whether that's nine to five, or if you've got kids, maybe you're working from after your spouse gets home until midnight, or you work primarily weekends, whatever that is. But for me, now that my kids are grown, I work pretty much nine to five. And I like that because my brain knows that at nine o'clock, I'm going to be starting work. And I'm prepared for that. So there's not that tug of war every day. Oh, am I going to work? Am I going to watch more TV? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? So having regular hours, even if they're different than what maybe your friends have I find really helpful and then the other thing that I think is important is to set daily goals and I ran into this this morning so I I've been writing for a long time and I usually can just sit down and write this past weekend I took a course and I was pretty tired this morning and it was just one of those days where what I wanted to write was not coming And I pulled out the timer and you can use the Pomodoro technique where you set a timer for 25 minutes and you work and you work in a completely focused fashion. So you're not checking Facebook on the side, take a five minute break and then move on to another series. Or you can just promise yourself that you're going to start work and for an hour you are going to be completely focused you're not going to look at anything else you're not going to get up and get a snack and then take the next hour off so however you work it managing your time and figuring out how to build in that accountability i think is incredibly helpful and just a um a little aside i highly recommend that you do not use your phone as a timer because then you're checking to see how many minutes you have left and it's just too luring to go in and check Facebook or check your email when you're when you're trying to stay focused. So I just use a kitchen timer. The sixth thing is that I think it's really important to ask for help. So solopreneur means you're a one person business. But if you look at the definition a little bit more, it doesn't mean that you have to do everything yourself. It means that you do not have employees. So you are completely free to hire people on a contract basis to run your website or design your brochure or mail out your newsletter or do anything else that you want. And this can save you a lot of time. I am embarrassed to admit that a couple of years ago, it took me almost 40 hours to add a newsletter opt-in box to my website. And it was something that I figured I could do in an hour, and it just kept escalating and escalating. And in hindsight, I could have hired somebody to do that for probably $25 in 10 minutes. We have to be open to doing those things. Otherwise, we're just gonna get totally overwhelmed. So I always think about what skill do I want to learn? And that may be willing, that may be a useful thing to invest my time in. But there are things I don't want to learn. I do not want to learn SEO. I hire somebody to do my search engine optimization. I recently wrote a book, as you said, and I had no desire to learn how to lay out a book in InDesign or how to upload it onto Kindle. No desire whatsoever. So those are the kind of things that... We can ask for help, we can hire help either someone who is doing it regularly, such as you know, um, uploading your newsletter to Mailchimp, or we can do just things on a project basis, like designing a book. And that will just save you a lot of time and a lot of gray hairs.
0: Right, and frankly, I- provides you with better quality when you hire the right person anyway than trying to do it yourself when you don't know how to do it.
1: I I was amazed when I hired someone to design my book. And this is the case with a lot of things. You don't know what you don't know. And so, yes, I probably could have followed followed a YouTube tutorial on how to upload my book to Kindle. But he had so many tips and tricks and things that needed to be designed into it. I would never have known that. So that's a great example of how hiring someone saves you time. And like you say,
0: you get a far better product out of it in the end. And that's important. I mean, if you aren't going to have the quality product, then you're not going to succeed very well. Exactly. It looks like you didn't know what you were doing.
1: And then the final thing is to schedule time off. I have yet to meet a business owner who feels like everything is done. (laughs) Goes, sort of shuts their office door on Friday night and goes, oh, it's all done. I'm ready for a weekend off. Especially when you're working from home, you've got your laptop anyway. A lot of us tend to work more than maybe we should. And it was actually a small business development counselor that I talked to several years ago. And one of her pieces of advice for people who are starting a business is right at the beginning, pull out your calendar and mark off your breaks. So at a minimum, mark off maybe a week in the summer and a week over Christmas or whatever works for you. I'm a big fan of taking a specific day off every week so whether you know that's the sabbath whatever that happens to be for you or maybe a friday and then you can get your shopping done whatever works for you but schedule it in the beginning because it's you're not going to have you're not going to feel that you have time for a break and that just will help you with your mental health and give you something to look forward to Uh, We were just talking about Pennsylvania, where you live, and I'm a big quilter. And once the pandemic was over, my first exciting thing to do was take a four-day vacation and go quilt shopping or fabric shopping and antiquing in Pennsylvania. I looked forward to that, and I come back renewed and energized. So it's not time that You're really taking away from your business. You're more investing in your mental health and being able to be more excited and more productive when you return.
0: Yes, time off is really important. I think it's really hard as an entrepreneur when you see how much stuff that you have to get done to take time off. But if you don't, then you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to lose enthusiasm for your business. Uh, And one of the reasons why you want to become an entrepreneur is because you want to have control over your time. And if you don't take vacations, then what are you doing here? Exactly. And if you don't schedule it, it tends not to happen.
1: Absolutely. And scheduling it far ahead of time, you know, so you can actually plan for the time off. I am taking um, two weeks off starting tomorrow. And um, I'm doing some quilt classes that are online and there's a quilt festival. I'm doing them from home. It's taken me about six weeks to plan so that I can take the two weeks off. It's not something that most of us can just do at the drop of a hat, but it's so important. It's important for our mental health. And it's also important to have a life outside of our business. And it's been interesting. I was watching one of the preparation videos for the quilt class and I do a lot of Zoom videos and there were things on that that I thought, wow, I could actually adapt this to my business. And so you you get motivation and inspiration sometimes in areas where you don't think that you will.
0: Right. Yeah, you take yourself out of your set environment and It really frees your mind up. It really does. And I also think that it's good for your clients to,
1: if for one thing, if you're, say, traveling and you're posting some pictures of your trip, they see you in a different environment. It also forces you to set up systems in your business so that you can be away for a week. And it lets people know that you have a life and you take care of yourself. And that is not a bad thing for women to project to people. So Those those are my seven things that I think people should think about in the beginning. And I don't know if you have any, any more
0: questions about those or you've experienced some of those in your own life. Well, you know, it's best if you can think about them at the beginning, but even if you haven't, wherever you are in your journey, you can still think about them going forward.
1: And I have to say that I that's that's how I did it. I would love to say that I started out like this 25 years ago, but I went through a burnout experience about 3 or 4 years ago and I had been writing almost exclusively for plastic surgeons. And so the goal of my writing was to convince women to feel badly enough about their bodies that they would have plastic surgery and it was a good writing gig and it played well but and it paid well sorry but after a couple of years it just was terrible for my soul it was not how I wanted to be using my talents and I so I ended up stopping that um, gig and getting really interested in burnout in female solopreneurs and looking at mental health issues and all those things. And that's actually why I started the Solopreneur Academy, because I realized if I had had something that had supported me, I probably wouldn't have been in the burnout position I was in. I gave everything to this job and, and I paid the price for it. So yes, I learned the burnout piece and I have been applying this much better to my life than I was previously.
0: Great, wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit more about your academy.
1: So the Solopreneur Academy is for female one-person business owners. And it's kind of a four-pronged approach where we provide information, community and I'm trying to think of the other two. Information community. Isn't see this is why I like to prepare things. <laughs> <laughs> Support. Um, and so some of the things resources, that we resources right resources yeah we have um, we have live events that are designed specifically to help female business owners. So one of the things we do is have a book club once a month. We have what's called group coach and chat, where we just kind of all show up at the same time and talk about what's going in our business, going on in our business. We have a mindset piece where I help people with things like imposter syndrome or time management or some of the other issues that women face. And then we also have something called get it done day, which is a four hour block of time once a month where we just meet together and work on projects of our choosing and then the other piece of it is we have a fairly active Facebook community and every day I post some sort of question that we can get to know each other about and also a motivational quote Mm -hmm. so that's what it's about and it really is to support women in all areas of our lives I do Realize, and this is my story and many people's stories, that many of us women were also caregivers. So we have kids, or we have pets, or we have aging parents. We're and all we're all three. Yes. And um, I'm guilty of that, or I don't know if guilty is the word lucky, lucky in quotation marks. And so our businesses have to adapt to that. And I really wanted a place where women could feel that they were supported. A number of years ago, I went to a a three day in person event, and I met someone who was being coached by one of the sort of elite coaches in the United States. And this woman had signed up for it was. I think about a $15,000 a year coaching program, was excited, was going to build her business. And a week after she signed up, her dad died. And then very shortly after that, her mom fell and was diagnosed with dementia. And so this woman was trying to run her business and settle her dad's estate and deal with her mom's health problems. And she went, she managed to go down to a training session and said what had happened to the coach. And the coach accused her of not taking her business seriously and basically shamed her and upset her. And she ended up dropping out of the program, saying goodbye to that $15,000. And I thought, I never want... To put people in a situation where they have to choose between their mom with dementia and their business, there's got to be a way to support women as we do that. And I work really hard to do that. I am in the position where I have aging parents with a lot of issues, I have kids who are in their 20s. I, I know what it's like. And I just think that we have to figure out a way to balance things. And as women, we have to support each
0: other. Mm Mm-hmm, very good. And I understand you have some some free resources on your website as well. I do. So if you,
1: oh, can I just say one thing before the free resources? Something to think about when you're starting your business, this is just a little freebie. Have a name that people can spell and understand. So I love the name Solopreneur Academy, but I can't tell you how many people don't know what a solopreneur is. And if they know what it is, they can't spell it. (laughs) And so probably in hindsight, I should have chosen something different. But if you go to solopreneuracademy.com and you can see that there are free resources there and you can have a read as to what the academy is about and how to join if you're interested.
0: But it's just for women. It is. Okay, so it's solopreneuracademy.com. Correct. Okay, very good. Well, Sue, thanks so much for joining us today. If there's any last tips that you want to provide, go ahead.
1: I can't think
0: of any off the top of my head, but
1: I hope that will get people started and uh, I really like your comment that it's, it's always better to start. It's always better to start well, but yes, you can, you can regroup and you can change and you can incorporate these things when, whenever
0: it's possible for you. Right. It's like the, um, the saying, when's the best time to plant a tree? Exactly. 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. Thanks so much for being on the SkillBite show. I've enjoyed our conversation.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having me and good luck to everybody.